Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, a nursing student disappears. It's really a mystery as to where she's vanished. And her ex-boyfriend is the prime suspect. I'm telling the police, I'd really like for you to take a look at him. But without a body, is there even a case? You don't have a crime yet. What's the crime? The only real clue is a set of keys. The trick for investigators is finding out which door they might open. The keys are a mystery at this point. Ever since she was a little girl, Tamika Houston wanted to be a professional singer, and many thought she had the talent to make it. She tried out for American Idol, and she was devastated when she didn't make the first cut. Realizing how difficult it was to make it in the entertainment business, at the age of 24, Tamika decided to enter nursing school. When classes ended and summertime came, Tamika finally had some free time. She didn't have class to report to. She didn't have a job to to go to every morning. She was very spontaneous. She was the type of person to get in her car and kind of go. And that's what everyone thought had happened when they couldn't get in touch with her. But after two weeks passed, her family became alarmed. I called police and said that there's clearly something wrong. I can't locate my niece. She's not returning anyone's phone calls. Tamika was 24 years old, and it's perfectly acceptable for someone who doesn't want to call someone to not call them. Police in Spartanburg, South Carolina, went to Tamika's house. Her car was gone, and the doors were locked. But they gained access through an open window. In the back room, police found Tamika's dog and a litter of puppies, all on the verge of starvation. I remember the detective coming and telling me that she loved animals and she would not have left her animals. There were no signs of violence and no indication where she'd gone. Police issued a be-on-the-lookout bulletin for Tamika's car, a 1991 black Honda. It could have been a traffic accident off the side of a road, and um, which would still be a tragedy, but it would be a criminal tragedy. Family and friends put up missing person flyers all over town. As a mother, it's very difficult not knowing where my daughter is or hoping that and thinking that she's okay and safe. Police checked Tamika's cell phone and credit card records, and there had been no activity during the time she'd been missing. 
Tamika's ex-boyfriend, Terrence Moss, went to police and offered his assistance. He had been living with Tamika until three months earlier when they broke up. There was an incident at her house where she accused him of hitting her and striking her. However many flares can go off in a law enforcement officer's mind, that's how many would have gone off with Terrence Moss. Moss said he knew nothing about Tamika's disappearance, although he admitted the assault, claiming it was a one-time incident. I punched her. I actually punched her. Um, and I fell down on my knees and I started praying. And I was like, it's just so many demons in here that, you know, we, we're becoming physical with each other now that we just need to separate. Because of that incident, Tamika had filed an assault charge against Moss. And she disappeared just two weeks before she was to appear in court. As we kept pressuring and pushing and repeating questions to him, he became agitated and finally just shut down from us and refused to talk to us completely. Terrence Moss is prime suspect number one. One month had passed since Tamika Houston disappeared, and police were no closer to finding her. She could still be alive, we don't know. There was still kind of like an undercurrent of a sense of hope. Then, a tenant in a nearby apartment complex called police with a tip. Flyers were distributed all over Spartanburg. Tamika Houston's face became very familiar to people in this area. A woman saw the flyer and saw the description picture of the car on there and said, you know, this looks like a car that's parked behind Barksdale Apartments. And she was correct. It was Tamika's car, parked just four miles from Tamika's home. No one living in the apartment saw anyone driving the car or parking it. Inside, police found no forensic evidence, no blood, and no sign of a struggle. The only clue was a partial fingerprint, which didn't match Tamika's ex-boyfriend, Terrence Moss, or anyone in the National Fingerprint Database. The car wasn't the treasure trove I'm sure police had hoped for. But investigators did find a set of keys on the passenger's side floor. You could see that one looked like an automobile key and one looked like a house key. None of the keys worked in Tamika's car. So we thought maybe those were the keys to Tamika's house. But they didn't work there either. The keys don't belong to Tamika Houston, so maybe they belong to the person responsible for her disappearance. The keys were dusted for fingerprints, but none were found. Then investigators noticed a code on one of the keys. It had a special stamp on it. It was stamped with AA14. Nothing that indicates who cut the key, uh, who put the stamp on it. It was just a key with a stamp. Investigators took the key to all the locksmiths in the area. Miraculously, one of them was able to identify it. He said, I can tell you who I made it for. So he pulls his records out, and after looking through his records for a while, he finds who that code was, and that was for Fremont School Apartments. Fremont School Apartments is once a local elementary school, and the government converted it into some some public housing. Detectives tried the key in each of the 46 apartments, 
Strangely, it didn't open any of them. But it did open a storage area door. It fit a door in the basement. And the, the door that it fit in the basement, when it opened up, that was a, an apartment that was closed. It had been taken offline because of flood issues. Investigators asked forensic technicians to look for possible evidence inside that room. We ended up seizing all the evidence out of that offline apartment, and it was a tremendous amount. And we processed it for any kind of DNA or anything for Tamika. And it ended up being a dead end also. No one in the apartment complex had seen a woman matching Tamika's description. There was a lot, of, I think, false hope um, during that time. Then the apartment manager offered a possible explanation. When a tenant is evicted, maintenance often removes the entire doorknob from the evicted tenant's apartment door and replaces it with a doorknob from another apartment. So that the person who moved out can't come back later with a copied key and enter that apartment again. Unfortunately, they didn't keep good records of which doorknobs were swapped, meaning the doorknob from the basement unit could have come from any apartment in the complex. Investigators were convinced that the apartment key found in Tamika Houston's car held the secret to her disappearance. But it didn't open any of the apartment doors in the Fremont School apartments, only a basement storage area. So investigators asked for a list of tenants, including those who'd been evicted. And they showed that list to Tamika's friends and relatives. You get to a point where you've run out of more traditional leads, so you're going to pursue it even if it's a somewhat unusual lead. Her best friend mentioned there's this guy named Chris that she started seeing around the time of her disappearance. There was only one person named Chris on the tenant list, Christopher Hampton. He'd been evicted from the Fremont Apartments one month after Tamika disappeared. He also had a police record. He served four years in prison for bank robbery. Investigators located Chris Hampton. He was in prison, serving a 30-day sentence for a parole violation. But records showed he was free at the time of Tamika's disappearance. When questioned, Hampton said he knew Tamika, but he didn't know where she was. She said, I want to go to bank with you. She said who she was going with. No, she didn't say. She said she was going. Did you see her at any point after that? No, I like to my Hampton's prints did not match the partial print found in Tamika's car. But investigators got a huge break when Hampton's former girlfriend, the mother of his two young children, called police. She said Hampton mailed her his wallet for safekeeping since he wasn't permitted to keep it in prison. She says, I've got his wallet if y'all want to come look at it. She told police she called because she'd been following news stories about Tamika Houston's disappearance and was well aware that Hampton had been living in the Fremont apartments. She also said there was a tiny speck of blood on the wallet. 
If it wasn't for that media coverage there, um, that, that young lady may have never came forward. I examined the photograph, found the speck of potential blood, took it through the preliminary testing for blood, and it passed. But whose blood was it? To find out, investigators needed DNA from Tamika's family. In this case, we had the mother and the father, so you can quickly ascertain whether or not this unknown sample could have originated uh, from an offspring from those two parents. The DNA test left no doubt. The blood was Tamika's. When confronted with this evidence, Hampton again denied any involvement. Whatever happened to Tamika happened right there in your apartment. No, it can't be anybody's blood. How long do you think we've been doing this? You don't know that we can tell one person's blood from another blood? No. You ever heard of DNA? No. But prosecuting a case without a body is never easy. Her body is not turned up. You've got pets abused, no contact with your family, and an injury that led to a loss of blood, and your car has been abandoned. That's pretty good circumstantial evidence that something bad happened to you. Um, but you still got murder, manslaughter, involuntary, self-defense, accident. What do you have to fill in any of those five scenarios right now? Fourteen months after Tamika Houston's disappearance, her ex-boyfriend, Terrence Moss, was no longer considered a suspect. That's because police found Tamika's blood in a wallet belonging to Chris Hampton, a man who Tamika had been dating at the time of her disappearance. Hampton once lived in apartment 215 of the Fremont School Apartments, but more than a year had passed, and another family was now living there. Then... A young woman called police to say she was inside apartment 215 with Chris Hampton around the time of Tamika's disappearance. And she'd seen something suspicious. There was a large brownish-red stain on the floor in the bedroom and that the dresser was pulled over in front of the closet door, which was odd. Investigators obtained a search warrant and found evidence of a cleanup in the master bedroom, just as she described. Whenever law enforcement sees bleach, they think clean up crime scene, clean up blood. So you start peeling away the carpet. And when we pulled the carpet up, there was a large reddish brown stain that was on the back of the carpet and into the padding on the floor. This stain tested positive for human blood. And they found more blood elsewhere in the apartment. Not only was there blood in the bedroom, there was blood in the closet, which was in some instances even more interesting. How would a blood stain get inside a closet? Analysts sprayed luminol in every room of the apartment and found even more blood. just know that this is where something really bad and really violent happened. You immediately know that she was moved from here 
and taken into the closet and laid in the closet because the one in the closet is the perfect size of a head. DNA testing confirmed the blood was Tamika's. It just took all the life out of me because I knew that uh, hey, my daughter was in an apartment and there was enough blood that my daughter could have died. The blood evidence and information provided by the young woman gave investigators a picture of what happened. He sticks her in a closet and goes and gets a girl and has sex with her and enjoys a meal and then has to figure out how am I going to get this body out of my apartment. When investigators confronted Chris Hampton, he initially had nothing to say. But he must have realized the weight of the evidence against him because he made police an offer. He stands up and he says, let's go. We said, where are we going? Are we going to the jail? Or are we going, are you going to show us where she's at? He says, I'll show you where, where she's at. Hampton led investigators to a wooded area about 12 miles away and pointed to the exact spot where he buried Tamika's body. He said he was sure because he left a marker. He just said that he made a cross out of sticks that he found laying around on the ground and just laid them out on the ground in a cross pattern. In a shallow grave, investigators found a woman's remains. Dental records confirmed it was Tamika Houston. It was really a difficult time for our entire family and to see my sister like suffer so much. You never really recover fully from, from um, losing someone in that way. It's like somebody taking a pitchfork that's burning and sticking it to your chest. The side your heart is on. There's no other way to describe this pain. Hampton told police that Tamika stopped by his apartment while he was ironing his clothes. I got plans. I'm going out. Plans with who? They got into an argument. Hampton said it was because he was seeing other women. Hampton admitted he lost his temper and struck her in the head with his iron. A tiny drop of blood landed on the inside of his wallet. Blood also dripped onto the carpet. The evidence shows Hampton wrapped Tamika's body in the bed sheets and put it in the closet. Then he pulled his chest of drawers in front of the closet door. Hampton brought another woman back to his apartment who saw the blood stain on the floor. The next day, Hampton used a friend's car to transport Tamika's body to the wooded area where he buried her in a shallow grave. Hampton rented a carpet cleaner and removed as much blood as he could, although he couldn't remove everything. Large amounts of DNA remained. Later, when he abandoned Tamika's car in a nearby apartment complex, he inadvertently dropped his own keys on the passenger side floor. A set of keys with a locksmith stamp that led straight to his front door. If we had not found out where that key went, 
um, we would probably still be looking for Tamika. I imagine that the police officer wanted to probably kiss this locksmith, uh, if not do more than that, when he said that, yeah, I recognize this key. At first, Hampton claimed it was an accident. I'm not telling you that he premeditated it. I'm telling you that he struck a blow with malice that resulted in her death. And if you doubt for one second whether or not that's true, look at what he did after it happened. Chris Hampton changed his mind on the first day of his trial. Are you guilty of the crime of murder? Yes, sir. Christopher Hampton pled guilty the morning we were set to draw the jury. And I was surprised that he pled guilty. As a result, Hampton was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without parole. He came as close to getting away with it as AA-14 stamped on a key. He came close to it. The morals of the story are you don't know what the most important piece of evidence is going to be. Um, until after the trial's over. In this case, it happened to be a key which led you to a crime scene.